Today we are continuing our journey into the book of James. Um, we're doing the sermon series called uh, WW-D. Uh, the question that we are asking each week for the past several weeks is, what would you do? What would you do? It is our hope and prayer that as we are reading through this book of James that you are able to get a little closer to God, uh, that you are being convicted, uh, transformed, um, encouraged as we look at these scriptures. Last week, we looked at the question of who is wise among you? What does it look for each one of us to seek wisdom? And we concluded with these words. Uh, in order for someone to be wise, uh, they need to show kindness, show humility, resist temptations, resist the devil, and draw close to God. We are reminded that we need to seek God's face intentionally. So that's how we concluded. So what would you do? Would you be a peacemaker? Would you resist temptations? Are you willing to draw near to God? That was last week. Uh, today we are asking a different question. Um, it's about planning. And uh, there's this theology or this uh, understanding in some churches... Uh, or attitude, I must say, that spontaneity uh, is the movement of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard that? You know, I've been to churches where people have, and a pastor would stand up and say, you know what, church, I prepared this sermon, but I believe God is telling me to do this. Have you ever heard that? You all can raise your hands and talk back. It's church. All right, right? Thank you. Right? Hey, right? we've heard that before. Like, you know, that, you know, something is spontaneous, that it's a move of the Holy Spirit. We planned this, but we're going in this direction um, and, um, or you might have heard it in this way as well. Um, for a few years ago, I asked a layperson to come and preach, uh, at our church. Um, she was part of our church. Um, I was planning for the whole next six months or so. And I said, Hey, would you be, could you come and preach on this Sunday? The reason I was asking her, I don't recall all the details why I needed that Sunday away or off. Um, but anyway, she agreed to preach, um, and when it was about five weeks out, I sent her an email saying, hey, I'm so thankful that you're willing to preach. Um, uh, she was getting her MDiv from Palmer Seminary. And I said, you know, would you just send me some information about your sermon, your, uh, your sermon title, your scriptures, just what the sermon is about, so that, we can, so that we can start planning other things. And she responded to me um, by saying, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit. I was like, great. That's wonderful. We should all wait on the Holy Spirit before we preach. I'm just saying. That was great. So that's wonderful. Good news. So, you know, now we are three weeks out. I let two weeks out for the Holy Spirit to work, right? Three weeks out, I sent her another email saying, hey, just wondering what's going on. You know, you're preaching in three weeks. And um, she wrote back to me saying, Pastor Johnson, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit. Stop rushing me. I was shocked. I could not understand what she meant. What do you mean rushing you? We're three weeks away. <laughs> what are you talking about? See, I belong to the support group um, that I go. Um, and this support group is for people that plan everything out. All right. So when my friend was not responding in three weeks, I was like, what are you doing? 
what are you doing? I wanted to jump off a bridge. <laughs> then the week leading up to that Sunday, she sent me her stuff. The Holy Spirit finally spoke to her. And we had to plan all aspects of liturgy and music and hymns and so forth. And then I had a conversation with her uh, after this whole event was done. I said, I said, help me understand why you couldn't give this to me earlier. And she said, I was waiting on the Holy Spirit. And my question back to her was, why didn't the Holy Spirit talk to you eight months ago when I asked you? Why did the Spirit wait till the last minute? Right? Why? <laughs> Friends, this sermon series that we're doing called WW-D. We first thought of this sermon series as pastors of May of 2022. All kind of got together and we said, we decided to, to do a study on the book of James. We knew when to, where to place it in the calendar. Uh, and we had some conversations around it. Uh, and I want to say mid-December or so, we kind of broke up the sermon series. Like, you know, what is going to be preached each week? Uh, we did that. And if you were here for during our Christmas cantata or Christmas Eve services, uh, there were little uh, postcards that were given out, just kind of promoting what's coming up next uh, in the series. Um, we're kind of hoping to attract if there, were, if there was somebody new to our church that they would come back and hear the, this service. And then later, um, uh, into early January, we kind of got together and we picked out all the music uh, that would go with the series uh, for each week. The first sermon I preached on this series called WW-D, what would you do? What would Johnson do? What would Nicole do? Um, was on January 15th, 2023. On that Sunday, I preached a sermon uh, from James chapter 1. And the sermon was basically about, I uh, shared a story with somebody that I met who, uh, who moved from New Orleans to New Jersey. And she didn't understand why people in the parking lot in New Jersey were not talking to her. She would go up to random people and start talking and everybody looked down and ran away. And I said what she was experiencing at that moment was not being at home. And then I talked about how when we go through trials and tribulations in our own life, we are not home. There is something off. There is something really difficult. We feel like we're not home. And the scripture reminded us that when we go through trials and tribulations, that God produces good fruit. And I shared with the church, I said, I never liked when my friends came and told me, Johnson, God is doing something beautiful through this trial. Because I just said, I don't care about the fruit. I just want this to end. I just want this difficult time to end. A few days later, uh, one of the church members came to me and said, Pastor, I hated your sermon. I hated your sermon. This person went on to say, I cried through the entire sermon. I was looking for tissues and this was... And that day I was wearing that one coat that didn't have any leftover tissues. So it was so much even more difficult to cry through the sermon. This person said they felt like God was speaking to them. Here's my question. This sermon series was taught in May of 2022. At least six weeks prior to that sermon being preached. The outline was drafted. Hymns were picked. 
And there's a lot of planning that went into the series. Did I give room for the Holy Spirit when we planned ahead? Or is my friend right in saying that we need to give room for the Holy Spirit? And the spontaneity is the work of the Holy Spirit. When we read James chapter 4, verse 13, now listen. Who you say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year here, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you have to say, if it is the will if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Here, James is clearly making a declarative statement. Saying we can't make declarative statements about the future. Tomorrow we will do this. We will spend a year there. And you read this, I think James is against all those who are in my support group. All those people who like to plan. Right? Have you ever planned a visit to Disney? Anybody? All right. My wife, Kristen, um, <clears throat> she did confess that there are others who do better than this, but she did plan our Disney trip a couple of years ago. And it was planned and it was going to be executed no matter what. She drove the family like a drill sergeant would so that everyone in the house would have fun. Okay, so we had to get up early in the morning, get to the gates right away, and then we had to run from that point to all the way back because we had to get to Space Mountain. And my father-in-law, who wanted to make memories with his grandkids, did what he was told. At that time, he was 68 years old, and my father-in-law has a heart condition, and he ran. He's not supposed to run. At, especially at 68. And then he got on this roller coaster. And uh, as he was coming off the roller coaster, his Fitbit was flashing red because his heart rate was so high. Right? One would say clearly, James is talking to my wife. Try, stop, stop trying to kill your father by making plans. Right? All kidding aside. What is James talking about today? Or is it about planning or something else? Clearly, I shared with you how a sermon series that was planned months ahead meant something to somebody who was here on that particular Sunday. During our planning process, I don't ever recall saying, if it is God's will, we will do this. No, we planned, we dreamt, and we ex executed it. And for that matter, not just this series, there were several sermons that we preached. We preached on the book of Ruth. We preached on by the Apostles' Creed. We preached on stewardship or dis, uh, Advent, December time frame. We did one about angels among us. We don't, we don't recall saying if it is God's will, we will do it. We just plan and execute it. I think James is talking about something else here. I doubt this passage is talking about how we can plan and think about our future, our future professions. 
I doubt this passage is talking about what we need to do, what goals we need to set, and how we need to chase them. Goal setting is a good thing. It helps us get from point A to point B. But I think James here is a little bit more specific to what he wants us to hear this morning. Please know that before I do anything, I do pray. I see God's guidance. I, I talk to God about X, Y, and Z. I pray and have conversations with God. But I think this passage is talking about something different. Let me put it in another way. I believe that James is echoes what Jesus taught. This morning I'm referring to the gospel um, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells a parable. Jesus tells a parable, and Jesus did this over and over again. If you read the Gospels, he tells stories. He tells stories about, uh, about life so that people could understand and relate to him. There was a nugget, there was a message in that story that Jesus wanted us to hear. So hear these words, hear this parable, hear the story that Jesus told his disciples. Reading from Luke chapter 12. Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all greed. <clears throat> Watch out, be on your guard against all greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. He told them this story. The ground of a certain rich man yielded a rich harvest. He found, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my harvest. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns. I will build bigger ones. There I will so store my surplus grain. I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, drink, eat, and be merry. Verse 20, here's the twist comes. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will go, then who will get, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be. Whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. In some ways, when you read this story at a, and take it at face value, right? what I believe this guy was doing is he was planning for his future. He had surplus crop of harvest, and he's trying to figure out what to do with it. I think each one of us can identify with this person. The individual is storing up for retirement. You know, I will tear down the bonds. I will tear down this. I will tear down that. And then I will do this. This is a retirement goal. You know, each um, month, Kristen and I both uh, put a portion of our money towards retirement. And we do this. We've been doing this consistently since we've been together. And I've encouraged other pastors who are just starting out, who are in their 20s, saying, hey, make sure you start saving up for retirement. And you have to do it now in order to reap the benefits. Is Jesus speaking against retirement? 
If you think Jesus is speaking against retirement, I would argue that you're missing the point. That is not what the point of this parable is. Let's focus on what Jesus is saying in this story, in this parable. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus is saying to us that life is more than the possessions you have. If you think it's all about money and having more possessions, you are missing the point of life that God is giving you. Jesus and James here both are not addressing whether you're supposed to plan for the future or save for retirement. But rather, they're condemning something that is larger and bigger. I believe Jesus is condemning how we view money. The rich man trusted his possessions more than he trusted God. He trusted his possessions. He trusted the surplus that was his more than he trusted the God he worshipped. Not once in the story, not once in this parable, did the rich man thank God for all that was given to him. Not once in the story does the rich man off give an offering to God as commanded in the Old Testament. Instead, he's planning a future where he trusts his surplus harvest more than he trusts God. I believe James makes a similar point. When you read James chapter 5, verse 1, Now listen, you rich people, weep, wail because of the misery that is coming to you. Your wealth has rotted. Moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you. Strong language against those who put their trust in money. Your money has rotted. Your gold and silver have corroded. Essentially, what James is saying is, if you put all your trust in earthly possessions, it's going to be wasted away. The parable that Jesus and James both speak about the frailty of human life. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes away. So my question to you this morning is, what would you do? How do you live your life? Do you put more trust in the money that you have earned? Or do you find yourself saying, I've worked hard for this money. And it's mine. If you're saying that, it sounds like a lot like the rich man in that parable that I just spoke about. Or are you saying to yourself, all this would be better if only I had a better paycheck. If only I had more money. What would you do? What would you 
do. Sometimes when we hear the word rich, this rich person, we kind of tend to tone off what the pastor is saying because we can easily say to ourselves, I'm not rich. Jesus is not talking to me. You have no idea what's in my savings account, pastor. You have no idea what's in my retirement account. I want to say to you, not so fast. I believe the Holy Spirit is convicting you, convicting each one of us and asking the simple question, who do you trust more? God? Or your paycheck? Your savings? The stock market? Or in your inheritance? Who do you trust more? Who do you trust more? I believe the key to balancing, planning for the future and living today is found in James chapter 4, verse 10. Hear these words from God's word. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. We are called to humble ourselves before the Lord. We are called to say thank you for all that we have. We are called to say, God, thank you for the opportunities that you've given me. God, thank you for giving me a good mind so that I was able to attain this wealth, this paycheck. God, thank you for opening the right doors for me. All that I have is from you. Friends, when we humble ourselves, we plan for the future, knowing that God is going to hold our tomorrow. Friends, my question to you is, what would you do? What would you do? Do you trust God for money? What would you do? This morning, we're going to be singing a song of response. Uh, the band's going to be coming up. And we're going to lead uh, in this song of response. And as, they, as we are singing this song, I want to ask yourselves this question. What would you do? Do you trust God with all that you have? With all the money that you have? Or do you trust money itself? What would you do?